Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey everyone, it's Courtney. On this week's episode of In Doubt, Joshua is joined by Craig Douglas, the director of Timberline Ranch Camp, and they're talking about the opportunity we have to impact kids around us. The saying, it takes a village to raise a child, is something that we hear often, but sometimes don't fully understand. In this episode, Craig and Joshua take the time to break down that statement and go into more detail on why it does, in fact, take a village. It takes each one of us to raise a child. We have to be willing to step into that role, whether it's through summer camp ministry, vacation Bible school, kids ministry on Sunday mornings, or just being there for the kids in our lives. We have the chance to disciple and be discipled in the process. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Joshua and Craig Douglas. One of the things that I love about the Word of God is just how incredibly practical it is. It's funny, we see things like 1 Corinthians that teaches us how to deal with lawsuits between believers. You think, well, how often does that come up? And yet that comes up in the Word of God. He teaches us how to deal with those situations, right? We, we have teaching on marriage, this very real and practical relationship between men and women where God says there is a way in which we are supposed to engage with one another, that a husband is supposed to love their wife and a wife is supposed to love their husbands. We have teaching in Titus 2 about older men, older women. How, how do seniors engage with the church? What's their role? And so I'm excited today to take on another really practical subject that at face value doesn't seem like something really important, and yet it is incredibly important. And the subject is this, what is a Christian's relationship with kids? And you might wonder, how important is this in a young adult's podcast? Well, I don't know about you, but I have a brother who has two daughters and a son, I, two nieces and nephew, and I want to know, has God called me to be in a relationship with them that leads them to Christ? Has he called me to be involved in their discipleship? Uh, I think that's actually a really significant question for all of us. And so I'm joined today by Craig Douglas, who's the executive director of Timberline Ranch Camp, uh, and he's going to help me wrestle through this question together. So, Craig, thanks so much for joining us. My privilege. So you're the executive director of Timberline Ranch Camp. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe how you came to know Christ and how you came to this calling. How did you come to this job? Sure. Well, um, I was born at a young age, as most of us were, <laughs> and, uh, and grew up on an island in the Pacific, uh, Victoria, on Vancouver Island. And I was, I was pretty privileged in that my parents knew Jesus and loved him and, and taught me from a young age what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And, uh, yeah, they took me to church and I was pretty young when I, when I realized that I, um, yet I, ha I had a sin problem and that I needed a savior. And so, yeah, I, I put my trust in Jesus early on, although I think it was a, a long time before that saw a whole lot of fruit in my life. I was a, a pretty rambunctious child. I may have had a bit of a temper and I may have gotten in the odd fight from time to time and that sort of thing. And I, I, God had a lot of work to do in my life. And uh, that happened over, over several years. And a lot of that was uh, just being a camper. Um, I went to Camp Quanos on, on Vancouver Island for, I think I was nine years as a camper there. 
very formative years for me. Um, got involved in our youth group and had some really godly young men who uh, invested in my life, and that made that made such a huge difference. And uh, so, yeah, when I was in high school, I, I really believe that God was somehow calling me to to follow Him in in some kind of ministry and, and maybe full time ministry. So I I went to Briarcrest Bible College, I got a degree there, and began working with youth, mainly with troubled youth for the first few years. And um, yeah, and then I actually I actually got involved in a in a church ministry, which didn't work out really well, um, and it was, it was a very difficult experience. Um, I made some mistakes. I didn't understand a lot of the, the culture. I had some not-so-nice things done to me as well. And so I, I really, I, yeah, I, I really felt at the end of that that I, I had failed. I had some real health problems at the time as well. And uh, so actually as soon as I resigned from that position, I, I had a couple of major operations and involving removing various important and apparently not-so-important parts of my insides. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, uh, yeah, by that time, I've been married for a few years. I married my best friend, Leanne, and, uh, and yeah, after I recovered from that and was raising, I was actually at home. My, my wife went back to work. I was, I was raising the kids while they were still in diapers and working on a degree at Axe Seminary. And, yeah, soon after I finished that, um, I was planning on teaching somewhere, um, but God changed my direction and I found myself at, at Timberline Ranch in Mid Ridge, BC. And so for the past almost 15 years, I've been leading the team at uh, Timberline. Mm. Um, so you've worked with a wide variety of ages from young, young kids right at camp all the way up to youth and you even said troubled youth. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So here's the question that, that we're really going to kind of come to today. In Ephesians 6, Colossians three, we read about a parent's role in leading their children, right? And so biblically, like Ephesians 6 even says, fathers, you're supposed to bring up your children in the discipline, instruction of the Lord. And so the clear teaching of scripture is that the responsibility of discipling children is is first in the hands of their parents. But the question is this, just because it's their primary role, do we have a part in that work too? And so I'm excited to hear from all that experience that you just shared that you've had uh, what you've learned over the years in terms of our responsibility to care for the next generation, to lead them. And so why don't we start with that question? Is it every Christian's responsibility to invest in the next generation? Well, definitely. Yeah, but I don't think it's all necessarily in the same way. I mean, we can't all work at camp. I wish we all could, or or in youth groups or in, or, or in children's ministry. But we all need to think about what our role is with the next generation, Right. Um, most of us have younger relatives or siblings or friends, kids that we can invest in. And by invest, I mean it's an investment of time. And maybe money as well, but, but mostly it's, it's just time. And, and I really think, and, I, and I, I teach our staff, that kids spell love, T-I-M-E, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think we all do. It's, it's you know, somebody investing in us. We talk a lot at camp about what it means to be a leader, and we know that leadership boils down to influence, right? But you can't have influence unless you spend time with someone. So, you know, Jesus calls us to be salt and light wherever we go. And I think he's really talking about influence, about being in the world and, and making a difference, you know, wherever we go. So even as a young adult, is there some sense that, that I have a responsibility 
like I, I shared at the start of our, our episode today that I, I have uh, two nieces and a nephew. Should I think as a young adult that I have a role in their discipleship or, or these other kids that come to church? Or should I be thinking, uh, maybe this is something I can do some year down the road? Well, I think young adults are in the perfect place to influence the next generation. And, and, you know, they usually feel busy, and I think we all feel busy. But the truth is, you know, I think young adults may have more time and certainly more energy than people older than them. Uh, and, and they also have the added bonus that most kids look up to them. I mean, when I was, when, when I was in high school, you know, I, the leaders were probably like in their early 20s. I mean, you know, they looked old to me. But... But I looked up to them and I thought, man, these like if, if I could only be like him, you know, if I could only uh, have it all together. And, and of course, they didn't have it all together. And, um, but they, they had something. They had a, a walk with Christ that, that I wanted. And um, actually, my decision to go to Briarcrest was that some of the leaders that, that invested in me, you know, they had gone to Briarcrest. And um, yeah, they were hugely influential in my life. You know, they they put up with my shenanigans. They invested into me, and uh, I really think their godly examples and their willingness to allow me to lead and at times fail um, made an incalculable difference in my life. And I'm I'm a leader today in many ways because of them. Mm. So I was a, a youth pastor for for about eight months, just kind of an interim period while our church was looking for a youth pastor. Um, and one of the things that I ran into a lot with our young adult leaders was this sense that they felt like they weren't spiritually ready to invest in the next generation. Is there something to that? Is there a, a level of spiritual maturity that we ought to see in ourselves before we really think of ourselves as disciple makers? Well, I think yes and no. I, I mean, in one sense, the more godly we are, the, the better influence we can have on people, right? I, again, when I teach leadership at camp, I talk about the, the two eyes of leadership, influence and integrity, and, and both are necessary because if you have integrity without influence, well, that's maybe like being a monk living in a cave, like <laughs> what's the use, right? But if you have influence without integrity, you, you could mess up a lot of people. And, and that's why scripture makes it clear that we need to be careful who we hang out with because we become like the people we spend the most time with. And, and that's why I spend a lot of time with Jesus because we're called to become like Christ. So yeah, spiritual maturity is certainly something to strive for. Um, and it makes a big difference. But I think it's even more important to be growing in our faith because I think someone who is growing, uh, which includes failing at times, is going to be able to make more of a difference than someone who thinks they've arrived at maturity and then coasts, right? So I don't think maybe the, the issue isn't your, your level of spiritual maturity, but that you're seeking Christ, that you're in a place in your life where you're growing. And so like at, at camp, we always say we're not looking for staff to be perfect, because we won't be, <laughs> but, but to be truly seeking after Christ, however imperfectly. Mm. That's good. I, I was just thinking of 1 Corinthians 11 when you said that, that Paul's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul's saying, as, as far as I imitate him right now, <laughs> would you imitate me too? But in the ways that I don't, <laughs> don't. Um, exactly. So, so particularly, if we could zoom in on a Christian family. So I'll, I'll use my brother. So my brother's wife, they have three kids. Uh, they're Christians. They they love the Lord, and they are raising up their children in the discipline, in the instruction of the Lord, right? That's Ephesians 6. That's what God's called them to do. Should I think of myself as having a part in that discipleship? Or because they're the primary disciplers of those kids, should I kind of see myself as almost kind of stepping away and being a bystander, just kind of a support to that work? Well, I, I think ministry is wherever we are and whoever we're around. 
I, I remember being at Briarcrest, and it just occurred to me in my maybe my third or fourth year. You know, here we are training for ministry, but there's needs all around us not being met. So what is that? Because that that need we see, and I, you think of a good Samaritan, right? I mean, comes along, somebody sees a need, he he deals with it, and the others didn't. So I think, yeah, if they're in our sphere of influence, then we have a, an amazing opportunity to help them out to be disciplers. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what I'm hearing you say is we actually ought to think not necessarily in these different zones, These, this is who I'm ministering to, but actually that I'm a minister of the gospel and everybody around me is somebody who needs to hear the gospel and be led in the ways of Christ. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there there are needs around us everywhere we go, every single day. And, and maybe in the morning we should just be praying, God, help, help me to see those opportunities. And, uh, and certainly, you know, relatives are along the lines of that as well. Again, I think the main thing is when you have opportunity to spend time with them, be an influence, be part of their community, uh, show them what it means to follow Jesus, especially through the tough times. You know, I, I think we need to let people into our lives and see that we're struggling and that Christ makes a difference, you know, when things are tough. Now, it's not just this idealistic thing, well, I'm going to follow Christ and one day go to heaven, but but what difference does he make when, when I'm going through the, you know, the crap that we deal with, right? And so I, I think as part of the community, uh, we, we need to be open with each other and, yeah, be an influence, be there for them. Uh, it doesn't need to be a formal thing. It just needs to be uh, an influence. Mm, that's good. So... If, if we were to shift then the conversation to a non-Christian family, because it almost in some way feels, I think, to most of us like a totally different world. When we're talking about the friends that I have at church who have kids who's, who are raising them in the knowledge of the Lord, my relationship with those kids is very different than my relationship with the kids of my friends who are non-Christians, who are out drinking every weekend, and their kids are going to school and they're learning everything that they're learning from their friend group, right? Like... Uh, it feels like a totally different thing. So what what should I see my role to be in those relationships with those kids where they don't even know Christ? Yeah, and it's trickier. I mean, if if, if we think of discipleship as formal teaching, it's, you know, we're not necessarily going to have that opportunity. But again, if we see discipleship as, as spending time with and having a godly influence, that's a great opportunity. Mm, that's good. So when I think about those other families— um, and their kids who don't know Christ, like say their parents uh, encourage things that I know uh, biblically are are not healthy, that biblically are even morally we'd say wrong, right? Um, so so say a, a parent uh, who's encouraging their their underage kid to be drinking, go and party, go do whatever you want. And, and I know kids who are told that from their parents. Um, how should I think of myself as stepping into that? Do I have the right to supplant um, their, the teaching of their parents and say, you know what, actually, this isn't good. Should I think in that way? Well, I, I wouldn't call it supplanting, but rather showing them that there are other choices out there, right? I mean, we know that most, if not all kids, actually want boundaries. And it's so important that they can learn to set their own boundaries, especially if their parents aren't setting any for them. And the funny thing is, I think a lot of parents don't want their kids living like they do. And but they have trouble teaching that because of the example they're setting. Um, you know, we don't want to be perceived as as ever taking over the parental role. But I think, you know, I had lots of people come alongside me when I was younger and influence me. And, and so by the time I was a teenager, I think their influence on me was, was greater than my parents was. Um, like at, at camp, you know, it, it's pretty natural because 
parents send you their kids, <laughs> um, which often amazes me. Um, but of course, we, we're also trying to let the parents know that you know this is what we're going to be teaching them. Um, and yet, most of the kids who, who come to, to our camp are, um, you know, completely unchurched. And so it, it is a real privilege to have them come to us. Um, but I, I think a lot, you know, a lot more is caught than taught. And so wherever we are, it's, it's how we're living our life and how we're dealing with situations. Um, I, mean, I mean, for instance, at Timberline, we talk about making sure the kids hear the gospel explained very clearly at least 10 times during the week of camp, which, again, is really important because these kids come, they, they don't know, they've never heard of Adam and Eve, for instance. I mean, they don't know anything about, about uh, God or about the gospel. And so we want to make the gospel clear in, you know, songs, the, the speaker, uh, the staff testimonies they, they hear at campfire and so on. But, but if that gospel message isn't accompanied by us living out our faith in front of these kids, it's not going to count for a lot. Um, God can still use what he will, but our effectiveness in ministry to unchurched kids has so much to do with how they see us living out our lives. And we do, again, when things get tough, um, how we respond after we screw up, um, I think is, is really key. And so I, I think our role um, is speaking into kids' lives, um, but also just living a life with Jesus that's transparent and real. Right. That's good. You, you make me uh, think of uh, something that my mentor was teaching me as I was stepping into ministry, and it was the the uh, the idea of of how do you learn to spot fake money, right? Uh, you don't learn it by studying fake money because there's all sorts of fake money that there's there will always be a different kind, but you you learn by studying the real thing, and that's how you know what a fake looks like. So for kids to be able to see that that is a life that that is really alive. That's that person actually enjoys being who they are. When they see that, they realize just what they're missing. Um, so I think that's a good point, that just the example that we lead. So you already have kind of brought us here, but, I, but let me ask this question particularly. How do we engage those kids in the way that you do at camp? How, how do we engage them with the gospel? How do we get to that conversation? Because as much as we lead with the lives that we, what we display, right, they see what we have. In the end, we need to share that they're, they're lost in sin and they need a savior. They need Christ to have redeemed them. And so how do I get to that conversation? That's a, it's a huge question. Um, and I think part of it is helping them to see the longing in their hearts that is being fulfilled. And I think all of us know or at least hope that there's something or someone out there that's bigger than we are that, that can help us. I, I mean, you know, as adults, we all put on this great show for everyone uh, of who we want, you know, we want people to think we are. But deep inside of us, this, this little kid is there that desperately wants to be loved, desperately wants to be assured that it's all going to be okay, and, and desperately wants to go home to mommy and daddy. You know, that, that may just be my inner child speaking out. <laughs> but really, we all have this need uh, inside us. And as we get older, I think a lot of people just begin to believe the lie that there's nothing out there, that, that what they see and hear and taste and, and smell and, and feel, that that's all there is. And, and so as we get older, maybe we, we get jaded. But deep inside, we have these unfulfilled longings. And I think the gospel speaks to that need and that longing. And, and so I think kids are more open to that. They haven't, they haven't become so jaded. And so they need to be, be told and shown that a relationship with God um, is possible. And that that relationship with him and, and that forgiveness that they can receive through Christ will truly meet their deepest needs. And, and I think beyond that, uh, 
they need to be taught. They need to learn about the character of God, who he is. They need to hear stories that tell of his goodness, his holiness, his faithfulness, his love, and, and so on. And then they can know that, that what they need most is a Savior, and then that God has provided a way through Jesus. Hmm. You know, I, I remember my, my first time when I was uh, speaking at Timberline there, when I was invited to come and join you guys. You said these two things to me, and I think that's really that they were, they were good for me to hear, uh, but I think it might be really good for our listeners to hear. First one was that you said before we went there, uh, you were talking about not wanting to scare them into the kingdom. You're not just pulling the, the fear card of, of eternal damnation mm. uh, when you're just sharing the gospel. You, you're drawing them by the love of Christ to Christ. But the, the second thing you, you said to me was, was to not take the place of the Holy Spirit. And, and I wonder if you could just elaborate on those two things, because particularly that second point, I think, is a really critical thing for us to understand in our sharing of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody needs to be scared into the kingdom. And, and I, I think those two points are probably connected. And I'm amazed that you, you remembered that because I couldn't remember at all what I, <laughs> what I said to you. So that, that's great. You were, you were listening. Somebody was listening to me. That's fantastic. Um, but I think God woos us into his kingdom, right? He, he loves us and he, he desires us to, to follow him because he knows that's the best thing for us. And I, I think sometimes... The, the thing that we, we often want to do is convince people that they need a Savior. And yet that's not our job, right? I mean, Paul talked about, you know, sowing, sowing seeds. And that, at camp, we talk about that a lot. We, we can't make kids turn to Christ. And I think it's, I think it's irresponsible for us to, to, to do that and to pressure kids in any, any way. But we also know that when the word of God goes out, you know, he promises it's, it's going to accomplish its purpose. And so that's why we want to stick to the gospel. You know, we don't want to come up with, you know, self-help ideas and all that kind of thing, because the gospel is powerful and, and God works through it and his Holy Spirit convicts and his Holy Spirit um, draws people in. And so just by simply explaining the gospel. And when we give our testimony at Campfire, I mean, I tell, you know, my leaders in training, for instance, that, you know, you can include the gospel in there in about 10 seconds. You know, it, it's really easy to put into your testimony. So just by, just by explaining the gospel, um, I think that opens up, you know, the heavens in such a way that the Holy Spirit can just take that and, and you know, work in people's hearts and minds. It also seems to me like something that we got to bathe in prayer. <laughs> if, you know, if it's uh, something that I actually can't convince them of, um, well, if God's the one to convince, then I, I guess I should be coming to him to ask him to convince. That was, that was something that struck me as you shared that with me that day. But I wonder if we could speak just for a moment to the parent who might be listening or the soon-to-be parent or the, the one-day parent that knowing, again, that, that God has called parents to be the primary disciples of their children— how important do you think it is to invite others into that work? Say you're youth pastor and, and sending your kids to youth group or to Timberline Ranch Camp. Like, How important is it to involve others in the discipleship of our children? Well, you know, I'm so glad that we have uh, solid youth groups and, and youth group leaders around to help kids through you know, those tough teen years especially. Um, but I, I, would, I would say this to, to parents and those who will someday be parents. Um, you can't leave it to your church to train up your children. It may be hard to, to start, but your kids need to see you living it out as well. They, they've got to see that your priorities include 
you know, fellowship with other believers, like church, <laughs> uh, spending time in God's word, praying, serving, uh, giving generously, making decisions based on having Christ at the center of your home, and so on. Um, and that's really where it starts, right? By all means, take advantage of the community of believers, but don't abdicate your responsibility to them. Hmm. So I hear this saying all the time, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a, a child. Uh, is there something to that? Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't be a, a follower of Jesus and leader I am today if not for the village. But parents need to take the primary responsibility for the kids' discipleship, but we also need to work together to, to look out for one another and one another's kids. Yeah, the, the community is so important. So I'm hearing you say that as annoying as kids might be sometimes, and I'm sure you probably experience this a lot at Timberline, um, there is a lot of value in us looking at those kids and thinking, uh, I need to be involved in their discipleship and their following after Jesus. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think I think we, we find kids annoying um, sometimes. It's it's It seems to be a lot of the time when they're not getting the kind of attention that they crave from adults. Um, is when they when they seem to be most annoying. Um, you know, look, we're we're looking at a at a at a generation of of young adults right now. Um, the majority of which seem to see little value in church, and and I think a lot of that is because they haven't been discipled, um, because their worldview is is being developed, you know, through social media and, and public schools that that mean well but don't know Christ. And and Joshua, it, it's a battle for the mind. Unless, as it says in, in Romans 12, too, unless our minds are renewed by Christ and his word, uh, there, there is no transformation. We end up just thinking and acting like everyone else. You know, I think we, we've got to engage their hearts and their minds by, by teaching them formally and informally who Jesus is and the difference he can make in every part of their lives. Uh, we don't teach kids to recognize, uh, to discern right from wrong. They'll be taught, but it won't be what we want them to learn. Right. So, um, you know, my wife and I, we, we ended up mostly homeschooling our kids for various reasons, uh, which, by the way, my wife swore she would never do. <laughs> that, that should teach her not to swear. But um, <laughs> but I think public schools, uh, you know, they can be OK if, if parents are dedicated to debriefing with their kids about what they're learning. And, and, and if the parents are spending their time, you know, teaching them from God's word as well. And I also think that Christian schools won't save your kid if, if you're expecting your, your kids to follow Jesus just because they went to a Christian school, right? And so it still comes back to where it has to start in the home and then be supported by the, by the Christian community. Um, and, and sometimes I think we've got to go, well, why are we so busy? Like, what is so important that is keeping us from doing the most important things? And, um, you know, my, my kids aren't perfect. They'll be the first to tell you that. But... But yeah, they were discipled, and and um, you know both by us and, and others, and you know they're they're seeking God now. They're they're both in in Bible school now, training to be Christian leaders. So you know I, I think discipleship works. <laughs> we just we just need to put the time into it. Mm, that's great. So uh, the last thought, the last question that I, I have for you is is on the note of uh, the discipler themselves. Is there a benefit? to discipling a young person uh, for the discipler, their own growth in following after Christ? Like, have you seen this maybe with, with the cabin leaders that you've worked with at camp, that they lead these kids and somehow their faith is bolstered? Oh, thank you for that question. <laughs> I've always said that camp is for the campers, um, but it really is the leaders who benefit the most. And I think that goes for any kind of, of working with kids and youth. 
Um, we learn so much from doing ministry, uh, from building relationships and, and answering tough questions. Um, the kids always come up with these, these crazy questions and, and you have to go back and go, okay, I, I, have I really thought that through? Like, how do I answer that? Um, you know, in, in a, in a genuine way without just a pat answer. Right. And so, uh, working with kids, it, it just challenges us so much. And, um, and I think one of the other, the real benefits of, of working, you know, with kids at camp that I found was, um, you know, I, I learned parenting skills uh, from my teen years working at camp. And uh, it, it's great to be able to practice on other people's kids, right? Mm. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I remember, um, I remember this, this one week I had this particularly difficult child and um, I was just really struggling with him. And I remember the, the director came came by and, and, and came beside me and said, he said, Craig, you know, you're going to make a really good dad someday. And he, he just, he spoke, he spoke words of truth, words of life into me. And I always realized, you know, I, I, I thought about that a lot in, in the years to come. And when, it, when I became a dad, it was like, yeah, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing, but, but maybe I do because I've worked with kids. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I, I, I have a chance to be a good dad. And, and I, I kept remembering what I've been told. You, you're going to be a good dad someday. And that was from, you know, from the experience of working with kids. And so, yeah, we learn so much. We benefit so much. And I, I see these, these young adults and so many people say, you know, oh, the, you know, the young adults of this day, you know, they're this or that or the other thing. Um, man, we have got so many quality people coming to work at camp and they're learning, they're growing. Um, yeah, they mess up sometimes, but what a great place to mess up when you're in community with people who care about you and, and love you and support you. Um, and they're growing and they're, they're moving on to, to other, you know, ministry, whether it's formal ministry or just ministry in their, in their schools or, you know, again, ministry is, is the people you run into each day. It's amazing to see. I, I think one of the greatest privileges for me as a camp director is just to see um, year after year, you know, these dozens and dozens of young people who come in and they serve and they learn and they grow and um, they really get what it means to, to follow Christ and serve him. Awesome. Yeah, I think this is such a good reminder for us to think about the kids in our lives, the kids who know Christ, the kids who don't, and think, how can I be an example of, of somebody following after Jesus that they look to and say, I want to be like that. Um, I think it's a great reminder. So, Craig, thanks so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, this is great. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was so good to have Craig with us for this episode, and I'm really glad that we could start this conversation on In Doubt. It might not be something we talk about all the time, but it's a good thing to ask yourself. How am I playing a part in raising up the next generation? If you'd like more information on Craig and Timberline Ranch Camp, you can go to our website and you'll find all the links on the episode page. At the end of last week's episode, I did mention that In Doubt is going into our Christmas campaign and we're hoping to fundraise $75,000. With your help, that can be made possible. If you head to our website, you can check out the donate page and on December 10th, you'll also see the first of three exclusive In Doubt Christmas videos featuring Isaac, Joshua and Daniel as they each discuss Christmas from a different perspective. So I hope you join us for next week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 